y'all doing well this morning? Good, I'm glad to hear that. We're going to continue our tour of Israel, and uh, we're going to be in Caesarea. And if you want to be in your Bible, which we will get there shortly, uh, turn to Acts chapter 10. We'll also be in Acts chapter 26. Before we do that, um, <clears throat> let me make a little announcement. Uh, we didn't, I didn't have Gretchen do this. She's gone, I hope. Uh, no, she's sitting there. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, you all, some of you may know and some of you may not that October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Now, I'm not mentioning that for me. You all appreciated me so much in just a couple months ago. I am so blessed. But I would like for you all to appreciate the other people who work on staff here. Uh, Elijah. Elijah right now is up in Chicago uh, visiting someone very special, and uh, um, so, uh, but be praying for him, and then uh, no one, a lot of people don't realize how much Gretchen does behind the scenes with the children's ministry, and in the office, and the, with ladies ministry, and all, so I just want you, give them a little bit of a, uh, some encouragement. Um, at the end of the month, we're going to, the last Sunday, we're going to do a, kind of an Elijah day. You know, usually when a staff member comes in, we do something special for them. Back in the old days, you got pounded. Yes, a pounding was when you would bring a pound of flour, a pound of sugar, a pound of whatever. Okay, I don't think Elijah needs a pounding, but we do want to recognize him. I mean, he got here. Um, he got here on a Friday night, came to a breakfast and a men's breakfast on Saturday morning, just kind of jumped right in. He's been working, and we really have not had an opportunity to really welcome him welcome him in and that was in August so uh, here we are in end of October I'd like to kind of welcome him in so if you'll kind of think about it uh, um, today probably a gift card to Walmart is better than a pound of butter or a pound of because then you can go get what you need but if you uh, are gift card to Publix or something like that just something to remember to let him know we appreciate him and by the way we really do you you have no idea he has been an incredible blessing to me all right, let's go to Caesarea. Caesarea is one of the uh, most amazing places you've ever seen. This is a picture of ancient Caesarea. Herod the Great built this city. This guy, Herod the Great, if you ever study through, he was an amazing guy. He built all sorts of stuff. He built Masada, he, and we'll see that one later. And, uh, but this was a, a big port city. He built a man-made port with all these walls, and uh, it was an incredible place. This is the place where Paul took off on his first missionary journey. Uh, the first Christian witness we, or one of the first Christian witnesses we have in there was by Philip the deacon. After he led that Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord, he went to Caesarea and started churches. And we find out that, that Philip, uh, Paul stayed with Philip some. And this is also where Gentiles came to know Christ for the first time. When Cornelius came, and, and Peter came to Cornelius and um, preached the gospel to him, and Cornelius got saved, and his family got saved, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues to prove that God loves Gentiles too. I'm glad he does, because that's what I am. Let's go to the next one. That's the ancient Caesarea. This is modern Caesarea. In that picture you saw kind of a, a stadium-looking thing. This is the theater, and we are sitting here. This was our 
our guide, um, what was his name? Menachem, yeah. Menachem, yeah. Menachem, had, he was a trip. Um, but this, we are sitting at, these are ancient. A lot of this is the original from that time of Christ when, when King Herod built it. It's had some repairs and stuff, but this is the original theater at, that we are sitting at. Go to the next one, Ben. This area, and I kind of, I should have put them in a better order for Ben when he did this. This area uh, is near the palace uh, that, that uh, Pilate would have stayed in, that Herod stayed in to start with, but then Pilate was there. And this would have been the area that uh, Festus and uh, Agrippa came, where Paul, one of the areas where Paul could have been speaking, which is Acts 26 that we'll be talking about later, when he talked to Herod and gave his his testimony. This would be one of the areas. Let's go to the next one. This is in near, very near that area. That is the right at the palace. That stone right there is a replica, and the you, you can't really see, but there's writing on it. And that writing mentions um, mentions Pilate. You know, for years people weren't even sure about Pontius Pilate. There were, you know, the, the scholars say, well, you know, we don't really think he existed on and on. This proves he existed. And what they did is they found it in the, in the um, theater area. It had been repurposed and used as a seat. But the, the engraving on there tells us about Pontius Pilate, proving he was real, proving once again the Bible's real. Next picture, please. Ah, this is out looking over the palace. That was actually a freshwater swimming pool. Uh, back in the day. Uh, you know the Romans loved their baths and they loved to swim, they loved to do that. That was it. And then down in here you see a lot of sandbags to keep some of the erosion. Next picture, please. This is Charlie's favorite. You know what that is? Anybody have an idea? That's exactly what that is. That's public bathrooms. Uh, there's where you sit, and then it just runs out. They'd have water running through there to keep that thing flowing. And, but there's your public bathroom. You notice not a lot of privacy? Okay. Next, please. This is where they'd have chariot races. And it's still there. You can see it, and that's just a little piece of that. One more time here. This is a theater. This is from my first time there. Charlie didn't get a piece of it. They still use that theater... And again, all of this, all the way around, is, is seating from that time. Uh, they do concerts. They do all sorts of things. This is the other place where Paul may have talked to um, Agrippa and gave his testimony. Uh, and then this would be where they would have sat. This is the king's entrance, the royal area. They would have come up through the stairs on the backside, and that's where they would have sat listening to whatever was going on. This is a picture looking from where the palace was, across where the harbor was, and uh, this, this, this uh, area has, was used for several, several years. It was a strong center of Christianity. Um, it was a, a remarkable place. Um, the Nicene Creed was probably written there, uh, and it was just, it, it was an amazing feat of what they did. But as time went on, as, as new people intervened, I think that's, is that the last one? Nope, one more. Oh yeah, there's another part of it. 
you see this, this is from the time when the Muslims came in and invaded the area. They took over. But over years, it went into disrepair. There were several earthquakes. And um, if you have aerial photography of the area, you can see where they had built the, the harbor. It's still out there. Uh, this is, again, near the palace area. And then some of the ruins going out here where we're dikes. And you can still see this. This is some of the flooring of the palace area, the mosaics and stuff from the time that Herod built that, from the time of, of Jesus. It's an amazing place. And once again, if you ever have the opportunity to go to Israel, go. And uh, it will, I'm telling you, it will, it does something to you to be able to put to sight what we see and read about in, in Scripture. It makes it come alive like you can never imagine. If you have an opportunity to go, please go. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read a, a section of Scripture, and then we're going to talk a little bit about things of Caesarea and uh, things that Christ wants us to do. Uh, Acts 10 verse 34 says this, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to stay and tarry certain days. Father, as we come to you this morning, we are so very thankful for your word. We are thankful for Jesus. We are thankful that we can come together. I ask, Father, that you will empower me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to preach your word as you would have it spoken this morning. Lord, that uh, it won't be my words but yours and father i ask that you will prepare every heart 
to receive what you have for them. Speak to us. Meet with us, Father. May we know that you've been with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Very interesting here that uh, uh, you'll also see it in Acts 26. I'm not going to read that big, long thing. But there's a couple um, of key words that Jesus uses and that, that, that Peter uses and that the scriptures use of how we're to respond to what we know about Christ. And that is the word witness. We are to be witnesses. It's interesting, I looked up the Greek word for witness. It's the same word we get martyr from, maturio. And it means to bear witness or to be a witness, to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something. Or that he knows it because he was taught by divine revelation or inspiration. We are to be witnesses and we are to give a testimony, which is again a very similar word. And it says that's again a witness in, in a legal sense. We are to give our testimony, we are to witness, we are to tell our story, if you will, of our encounter with Jesus. And that's it, the, the, the funny thing about this is that's exactly what Jesus commanded us to do. Sometimes we uh, think that we are commanded to be a soul winner. I, I love that term. The soul winner is a great term. The problem is, is we don't win the souls. We are witnesses, and God wins the souls. So sometimes we take on an extra responsibility. By the way, the first point is Jesus commands us to be witnesses. Acts 26, and this is where Paul is, is standing there, either in that theater or over by the palace at a, at a place, and he is talking to uh, Agrippa and Festus, and Acts 26, 16 says this. Jesus is speaking to Paul. says, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom I now send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul finished that little testimony out. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. We read in Acts 10, verse 42, Peter, as he was witnessing, said this, And he commanded us to preach unto the people, and to testify that it is he which was ordained to God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. Acts 1.8 But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We come this morning... I, I want to encourage you to be obedient to God. To be obedient to the Lord. Now, we've talked about this thing of witnessing and sharing Christ and all, and, and I know I talk about it a lot. But you realize that's what we're commanded to do. 
And until I can, if I can help you understand that, that Jesus wants us to be a witness, that he has commanded us to be a witness of, of what we have seen, what we have experienced, what we have heard, we are to share that as a witness. If we can learn to be obedient to him in that little thing, we'll be able to find ourselves obedient to him in many other things. Now, let me, let me uh, help you some with this obedience thing. We're not to be obedient out of fear. He's going to get me if I don't witness. Well, I don't think he's got everybody in here, and I'm going to be pretty sure that not everybody in here has been a, a steady witness of Jesus Christ. Me included. And he hadn't got me yet. We can't be motivated by just duty. I know for some that's, that's really good. I, I, that I can do a lot of things because it's my duty and because that's been instilled in me and it's my duty to be a witness, but you know that motivation will run out in time too. If we're going to be obedient, if we are going to obey Jesus' commands and this command to witness, our motivation has to be love. We have to be, we have to love Jesus. We have so many reasons we should love Jesus. Number one is he loved us. Jesus loves us. I love the song. You know, the, the simple song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. There is more power and more truth in that little jingle, that little child song, than most every other hymn we sing. It's Jesus loves us. Yes, because the Bible tells us so. But not only does the Bible tell us so, look at what he's done for us. If he didn't love us, why would he go to the cross? Why would he willingly give up his life? Oh, yeah, he had the power to take it up. But that time at Calvary, and there's a time we're going to show you some pictures of that area. At that time at Calvary, when God the Father turned his back on God the Son and all the sin of all the people of all time was put upon him, and he suffered the wrath of God for us, he did that out of love. He did that out of love. How can we not love him back? <laughs> the longer I live, I, I've always been very thankful for my salvation. And then I realized how much God has provided us over the years. Not just material things, but friends, family, relationships that are so powerful, that are so loving. When, when <laughs> I'm so thankful for this church. Sunshine Baptist who my children didn't have wonderful relationships with their grandparents but boy they had some wonderful relationships with the people in this church who became their grandparents who loved on them and took care of them better than their grandparents would ever think of I was going through some files this week how many of y'all been around a long long time remember the old secret grandparent program 
So, Becky, you got some stuff out of that, didn't you? I was asking Gretchen, think we ought to do that again? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> that was fun. I'm not sure how parents would respond today. Let me tell you what a secret grandparent is. It's a way where we can love on, on kids. Those of you who are a little older, um, we would get a list of our kids and some things that uh, uh, they like to do and their age and a picture, and you would pray for them, and you'd write them little notes and give them little trinkets, and, and they didn't know who it was. They'd just get a little package from their secret grandparent. And then at the end of so long, we would have a, a revealing and a little get-together, and, and uh, it was a great way to see that others care. I don't know if that's too old-fashioned for today. I don't have to ask parents about that. But I know it made a difference in our kids because Jesus provided someone to love on them. Jesus gives us every day a grace, the grace to get through each and every day. I don't think I understood that so much earlier in my life, how important that grace is just to get through every day. Sometimes just through minute by minute. But Jesus loves us so much that he gives us the grace to go minute by minute by minute through the difficult times, through the great times. We live in his, in his grace. And, and big theological word, sanctification. There's another kid's song, He's Still Working On Me. Somebody, yeah, somebody knows that song. We, I think we need to go back to some of those kids' songs because some of those little kids' songs are great truth. He's still working on me. He is continuing to work in my life. I am so, so amazed of where I was, and where he's brought me, and I'm, I'm in awe of where he may take me. He's working on me. I am so happy that I'm not the same person I was five years ago or ten years ago. Or 30 years ago. Or a year ago. Or a day ago. He's working in my life each and every day. And you know what? He's doing that for you. And he's doing it out of love. And, and as I realize all the, how much he loves me, how can I not just return that love? And, and out of that love, how can I just not go out and tell people what Jesus has done in my life? Why well, do I have to win them all? I don't have to have... So I just need to tell him who he is. See, I have to love him. The motivation is of my love for him. And then the second part of that motivation is I need, I need to love those people that Jesus loves. I think a lot of us in church love, we, we love Jesus so much, but we don't really love those who he loves. At the high school game, at the football game the other night, Kids running all around, from middle school, high school, adults and all. You just kind of look. If, if you have a chance, I get the chance because everybody else is doing all the work. I, I, I get to flip a few burgers, but most of the time I, just, I get to look around. And I watch these people, and I see that most of them don't know Christ, and that Jesus loves them. Thursday I was at the middle school, 94 kids. There were six of us working. It was okay. Well, it was kind of okay. I've never liked middle school kids. I, I really, uh, especially middle school boys. I mean, I, I threatened to lock my son in, in, a, in a closet for three years. Just, to, But Jesus loves them. 
And I've got to develop a love. Because I love Jesus, I need to love who He loves. He loves the Father. He loves the brethren. And He loves the lost. You see, Jesus commands us to be a witness. And if we're going to carry out that command, our motivation has to be love. Not only that, Jesus wants everyone to know who He is. Acts 10.34 Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, talking about end times. It says this, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Mark, in his very bullet point way, Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus wants everyone to know who he is. And by the way, if you want Jesus to come back soon, we need to get busy about sharing who Jesus is around the world. There are still many, 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 several thousand unreached people groups. And you know what? Even within our country, even within our culture, there are now unreached people groups. Young people have no clue who Jesus is. But we need to be a witness. Jesus wants everyone. He desires that none perish. But they're going to perish unless we are obedient and we are witnesses. By the way, one other thing too. Our witness brings forth fruit. Acts 10.43, To him he gave all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. We saw in the verses 44 to 47 that Cornelius and his family and those who he had gathered received Christ and they also received the Holy Ghost. And wow! Something started there. Gentiles started knowing Christ. One of the greatest ministries there is is military ministry. Because you know what happens when you win soldiers? They go different places, don't they? And they take the Word of God with them when they go. One of the greatest ways that the, the early church spread was through the Roman soldiers who got saved and took it everywhere. Amazing things happen. Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. What an incredible thing to see someone whose world is dark, who is blind, and then all of a sudden they... they receive sight they can see they're relieved from that darkness because Jesus the light of the world has pierced that darkness and turned them from the power of Satan to the power of God Ah, just a couple little thoughts here you know as you witness not everybody's going to appreciate it, it just you know let me not let me let's let me not just 
the, uh, um, let me just be honest with you. Paul received this. Look, in Acts 26, verse uh, 24, And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. In other words, Paul, you're just crazy. Yeah, some people are going to think you're crazy. In Acts 17, Paul preaches at Mars Hill, and some just some of those people said, he's crazy, and they walked away. Others said that, well, you know, we'll think about this, but then others received Christ. And one of those who received Christ, church history says, may have been the first missionaries into France and had built the first church in Paris. There's fruit from our witness. There's fruit from our witness. Okay, so how do we do this thing? How do we do it? Well, can I tell you something? It's not that hard. It's just not that hard. We can be a witness for Christ, and all we have to do is tell our story. Acts 26, verses 12 to 20. We see Paul. It says, Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining all around me, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and those things in um, the which I will appear unto thee. Yeah. He just gave his testimony. He just gave his story. First Sunday, March 1981, sitting at Grace Baptist Church in Miami, Florida. Figured I'd been going there for a little while because my dad had asked me to come watch him get baptized. Uh, the, I loved the preachers or something was going on there. And I hated that time at the end of the service, you know, the stuff that we do here at the end of the service when we play the music. And that old preacher, he'd stand up there, come on, come on. I hated that. I finally figured if I came on and I could maybe I'd get baptized and that would that'd be okay. I came on. A man took me in a back room named Mike Horn and he went through the scriptures and I came to a place where I realized I needed a personal savior. I already believed everything you needed to believe to be saved. But I needed a personal savior and I needed to call on Jesus that day. And I did. My life has changed ever since then. Oh, you wouldn't have noticed all that, and there's a whole lot more to my story. But you know what? My story. Who can argue against that? You would have known me then. You see me now. Way different. There is nothing more powerful than a personal testimony. Let me give you this. Nothing more powerful than personal recommendation. I see on Facebook all the time people going, looking for recommendations, wanting to go find a good place to eat. I love good places to eat. In fact, I love them so much, I'm going to give you a recommendation. You ever go to Jacksonville? There's a place called the Metro Diner. They have really good food. All sorts of really good food. But they have exceptional 
shrimp and grits. And Friday afternoon, after I listen to my son preaching chapel up at Trinity, I'm going to go to the Metro Diner and I'm going to get some shrimp and grits because they have the best. They take those grits and they kind of fry them. They, they cut them in a cube and fry them and they got the, the shrimp and, and, and the andouille sausage and all that sauce and unbelievable. I prop. It's a pretty powerful recommendation, isn't it? Let me give you one a little more powerful. Jesus Christ took me a messed up, alcoholic, drug-using, just keep going down the road, and he turned my life around. He saved me. I was hell-bound, and he saved me. And he's actually even allowed me to serve him, and he's used me. You can't argue with that. Oh, you can get all theological. But as that blind man in John 9 said, I'm not real worried about your theology, my paraphrase. His words came to this. I was once blind, now I see. You can't argue what God's done in my life. People can't argue what God's done in your life. So all we have to do to be a witness is tell our story. Well, wait a minute. One more. We need to tell his story. We need to tell his story. Acts 22, to Acts 26, verse 22, 23. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day, witnessing both to the small and to the great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. In Acts 10, 36-43, Peter pretty well goes through a same type of situation, talking about how the prophets had, had uh, um, taught that there was one coming and that Jesus is this one. Just tell his story. It is his story that makes your story so powerful. It is the miraculous things that he has done in your life and in this world that changes us. It is Jesus who frees us from sin. It is Jesus who gives us eternal life. It is Jesus whose story is God's story. So as we tell our story, we tell his story, and then we are obedient to that command to be a witness. You see, that part's not hard. If it was my responsibility to go and try to win every person to Christ, you know we're going to fail at that. Because not everyone is going to receive Christ. Some are going to think we're crazy. Some are going to have to think about it. Some will receive Christ. But it's not my job to make them receive Christ. It is my job to tell my story and to tell his story. It's God's job to save them. Let's go and be witnesses. Pray together. Father, as we come to you this morning, I am so thankful that you save people. I am so thankful 
for Jesus. That he died on a cross for me. and He rose again to give me eternal life. I am so thankful for how he's changed me. I'm so thankful and humble that you would even think of being able to use me. Lord, thank you for loving me so much. Lord, help me to love those people that you love. And help me just to tell my story and your story. And Lord, you do your miraculous work. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand. We'll have that time of invitation. That time where you're gripping the back of the chair because you're not real happy about that. Well, if you're gripping the back of the chair and you're not real happy, maybe there's something that you need to, some business you need to do with God. And now's a great time to do that. That's why we have this time. God is dealing with you. Maybe you don't have a story of how you've come to know Christ. And it doesn't have to be a wild, crazy story. One of the greatest stories is that, oh, when I was a kid, I realized I needed Jesus. And I asked him to be my Savior. He's saved from all that other junk that some of us have had to go through. But I have a story. You need a story this morning. Come and let us show you from Scripture how you can know that you have a place in eternity, in heaven and eternity. Maybe you're here and you've shied away from telling your story and his story. Maybe fear, maybe whatever it may be. Maybe you thought it was just too hard. Now you know it's just your story and his story. Maybe you're here and you need to commit to sharing and being a witness of what he's done in your life. Whatever your need may be this morning, our altars are open. There's people who will pray with you, and you can do your business right there. Just be obedient to what God's dealing with.